Welcome to the Realtors Land Institute podcast, the voices of land, the industry's leading land real estate organization. Hello, this is Justin Osborne, accredited land consultant with the Wells Group Real Estate Brokerage. Today's podcast, we have guest Russell Riggs with us. Russell Riggs is a senior policy representative with the National Association of Realtors in Washington, D.C. For the past 23 years, Russell has advocated on behalf of realtors on energy, environment, property rights, immigration, and natural resource issues before Congress and federal regulatory agencies. Russell also serves as the advocacy liaison to the Realtors Land Institute. NARS Global and Business Affairs Group, and NARS Resort and Second Homeowner Group. Russell holds a bachelor's degree from Virginia Commonwealth University and master's degrees from Tufts University and New York University. Russell, thank you for being with us today, and we're really looking forward to hearing about what land agents need to know about the COVID-19 stimulus package. Thank you. And, you know, it's a pleasure and honor to uh, to be here in Washington, D.C., uh, speaking to my favorite group of realtors, uh, members of the Realtors Land Institute and ALCs. And um, would just like to say thank you for the opportunity to participate in this podcast. Yeah, we're looking forward to hearing about Mostly, I guess, let's start off with what are the different resources that are available um, to to us and the agents that are provided by the CARES Act? So um, I I, I would like to open up with with one uh, item, but I just wanted to make sure that everyone is uh, staying healthy, Uh, make sure everyone is staying safe, and more importantly, make sure that everyone is staying sane. Because I know it's um, it's tough right now. Uh, it's not business as usual. We are all trying to adapt to this uh, uh, unusual set of circumstances that we find ourselves in, and we're all just trying to figure out uh, the best way to to hold on. And so I just would you know like to send the message out to uh, my friends and colleagues at RLI: just uh, hang on, stay safe, and this is going to pass at some point eventually it, it will uh, it will move on and we will move forward and i also wanted to say that there are resources available to uh to rli members to help them get through this uh this situation and it all starts with the cares act uh, the coronavirus aid relief and economic security act it was passed by Congress a few weeks ago. And I have to say, you know, I know that Washington, D.C. has been kind of uh, criticized for, rightly so, for being very polarized and very um, nonpartisan in a lot of ways. But I have to say that Congress came together pretty quickly when they realized the extent of the coronavirus COVID-19 situation. They really came together fast and put this package together. Trillions of dollars, um, two trillion to date, and it's the biggest um, economic recovery package ever passed. And there is more to come. So uh, I, I would say that there are 
there are resources available and uh, I would encourage everyone listening to take advantage of them. And I'd be happy to go kind of go through step by step, go through the act if you'd like me to do that. Well, you know, I'd like to spend just a little bit of time maybe referencing what the resources are. I mean, I think we were all pretty familiar yeah. uh, with the PPP loans, just seeing the publicity that they've had. Are there other options out there that maybe yeah. we need to know about that are not getting as much publicity? Well, I, I mean, I think the first the first place you need to start is the the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance, PUA. And that is really the uh, your resources for unemployment to get you money when you are not able to be employed or not able to make money. And that's just for an independent contractor too. You know, before this was a whole new thing. Before it was not. It was only for if you had paid into the unemployment insurance fund. That was changed, and NAR made sure that independent contractors, which includes realtors and people in the real estate sector could take advantage of that self-employed and independent contractors can take advantage of of this uh, the trick is this is run by the state unemployment office so you have to start there you have to start with your state unemployment office and unfortunately states have a very uh, have a varied capacity in how they are administering this program some states uh i and this is just kind of anecdotally from what i understand some states have done a great job uh they have revamped recently revamped their offices and were able to take the phone calls and take the applications and then get out the uh, the money quickly other states just are have been slower so it really depends on the state that you're in as to how quickly you're going to be able to get uh, unemployment assistance. And you have 39, you can get 39 weeks of assistance if you need that much, basically through December. And through July of 31st, you'll get 600 extra dollars per week. And this is all based on your 2019 tax returns, or if you haven't done those yet, they'll use your 2018 tax returns. Well, that's going to be really beneficial for a lot of lot of people that are needing it. With you being in Washington, Russell, have you heard anything on kind of what we can see for the future with the CARES Act and any other economic stimulus, stimulus packages that may be in the works? Right. And uh, we have. There's a lot of question about what's going to be in there. So, Keep in mind, these packages, the CARES Act and the other the, the other acts that passed, pieces of legislation that have passed thus far, have not been economic stimulus packages. They have been uh, uh, economic response packages, really just to put a Band-Aid and stop the bleeding uh, of people who now all of a sudden have no income. Um, this doesn't even address what happens in two to three months when people are beginning to, you know, are able to uh, get back to work. Uh, the economies are beginning to open. States are beginning to loosen their restrictions on people going out, et cetera. 
but the problem is so many of those um, places may have already closed because they couldn't they couldn't hang on. And so I think what we're going to see is a turn towards. Well, I think we're going to see one more CARES Act um, iteration. Gotcha. One more economic uh, response, and that could include uh, you know additional resources into the pandemic, uh, into the PUA, the unemployment assistance. I think you're going to see additional monies going into the payroll protection plan, the PPP plan. I think you're going to see more monies going into the economic injury disaster loan program. Um, and I think you're going to see more monies going into the individual relief checks that a lot of people saw or, or, or will be, um, will be, hopefully will be getting that within the next few weeks. That was that just a cash payment of $1,200. Well, that'll certainly be beneficial for some folks that need it. You know, it's... Right. I mean, the PPP loan, uh, that program has been funded twice. Uh, it's got a total of oh, close to $700 billion. And it's almost, I think it's already out of money again. So they definitely going to have to put more money into that program. They're going to have to put more money into the EIDL program. But again, this is all just economic response to the crisis. It's not economic recovery. Um, it's not a stimulus package, if you will. And I think once we turn to the stimulus package, then we're going to start seeing things such as, well, let's make sure, you know, one thing that's been discussed quite a bit is the lack of broadband in rural areas. Um, if you can't get on the internet, there's no way you're going to be able to do your business. You can't do it. You know, I was reading an article the other day about um, people in rural areas are having to go to the local Walmart and park there because that's the only hot Wi-Fi hotspot that they can find because they just don't have good internet. So access to the internet and broadband is going to be a really critical piece going forward to allow people in rural, in rural areas to be able to do what they have to do online. Um, I think another, another critical part of that is, is its relationship to telemedicine. You know, all of a sudden we've seen this big divide in urban areas who have urban people in urban areas who have access to, to um, medicine. In rural areas, they have to do it through telemedicine. And again, if you don't have the right kind of broadband, you're out of luck there. So again, that's um, that's going to be a critical part of that. You know, I think another piece of this whole puzzle is getting money into uh, people who can actually provide jobs. I mean, that's going to be a critical part of that. So we really haven't even we really haven't even seen turn towards the economic stimulus. You know, another thing that we've that we've noticed at the National Association of Realtors is the fact that how much of the transaction can be done online now, and that is not for all properties all across the board, houses, commercial property, and land. You can pretty much finish up the deal completely uh, online. But there is one critical part 
that still uh, is kind of a gap in how you finish the transaction, and that's in um, notarizing all the documents. Some states allow remote notar notarization of these documents. Other states, you have to physically go and get your documents notarized by a notary public. And there's legislation right now uh, in Congress that would basically say, you know what, here are the here's national standards for how you do remote notarization. And if we were to get that done and across the finish line, that would make it a seamless process to be able to um, finish the complete the transaction completely online. And so that's what we're over the next few weeks, we're going to be really pushing Congress to pass that remote notarization bill. It's been nice seeing, you know, how much can be done online. I've been having a couple of conversations lately with different clients, mostly on the commercial side of things, on commercial real estate, that we're yeah. saying, you know, we don't know that we're going to renew our leases on these 3,000 square foot office meeting or office buildings because our employees are being so productive working from home. Now, I mean, I, I think that right. you know, the, the employees yeah. with a three-year-old and a five-year-old probably aren't fitting into that category. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're saying, golly, our overhead is so high where we're paying for these offices where, you know, people are not as productive because they're having just water cooler conversations all the time and they're being more productive right. working from their home office Maybe we're not going to renew our, our our lease when it comes up for renewal. So it'll be interesting to see oh, the different yeah. markets. No, the implications for this have not even been, well, we haven't even scratched the surface for how this is going to affect office buildings, commercial properties, retail, malls, things like that, you know, because um, you can do so much e-commerce you can buy just about everything you need online you know i mean my parents uh started using instacart <laughs> i was <laughs> astounded that they were able to get online and they were able to buy groceries online i didn't think they'd ever be able to do that but uh, they did it and they really liked the fact that they don't have to go to the grocery store and they can they can buy the food that they need um, through Instacart and it gets delivered right to their door. So it's, it's perfect for them. They're in their mid to late 80s and obviously going out is problematic for them. So it's, you know, the implications of this. I mean, I've been working from home and um, I, I've honestly didn't think I would be as productive as I have been. Um, I don't have, I don't, luckily I don't have any little kids running around, so that helps it a little bit, but um, I've been productive, so, and they still have not set any kind of a time frame for how the employees of NAR are going to go back to the offices in Chicago and the offices in Washington, D.C. I know they've been having some uh, meetings and kind of working through the issues, but at this point, uh, until further notice, we're all working from home. So yeah, it's gonna be an interesting question as to how people go back to the office and what that office looks like, more importantly. Um, are we gonna have, have our temperature taken every time we get 
We go through the end of the lobby door, lines for the elevator. Um, yeah, we don't know. We, we just don't know. Well, how do you see this affecting the different land markets across the country? Right. You know, um, that's going to be really interesting. I mean, it's pretty early, and I, I still think a lot of this is going to be, uh, you know, worked out in the market. But, and this is just my pure speculation. I think it might, this whole situation might exacerbate trends that are already in place in terms of people moving out of cities, which they were doing, and moving into rural or exurban areas. Because if you enhance uh, broadband and if you, if you enhance people's ability to work from home and telecommute for certain periods of time, all of a sudden, you're not tied to um, mass transit. You're not tied to roads. You're not tied to going into the downtown area. You can live further out. You know, you can live from where I live. I live in Falls Church, Virginia, which is about eight miles from the city center of Washington, D.C. All of a sudden, if you're going into D.C. once a week, and otherwise you're working from home, all of a sudden, living in West Virginia becomes pretty doable. Um, so I, I think it's going to have really dramatic. Uh, a lot of people are going to be rethinking where they live, how they live, and ways to be more socially distant from urban areas. And I think that will tie into land markets profoundly. If all of a sudden these exurban and rural areas become much more attractive, and if they're green fields, you know, if there's there's no existing homes, they can uh, there once all this clears out and clears up, there will be a higher demand for new developments in areas that have never had development before, and that includes commercial and residential. Well, thank you for sharing that perspective. I cannot agree with you more, Russell. You hit the nail on the head because I'm I'm seeing those calls. I mean, literally 30 minutes before we started this podcast, I had a call from a buyer saying exactly what you just said. They don't want to be too far, but they want to get a little outside of town. They want to have some irrigation water where they can grow a garden. They want to be able to raise some 4-H animals for their kids and and they're in town right now and so i don't i don't think you know we're going to see 100 percent of the population do that but i totally agree with you that i think we're going to see more than we have been seeing starting to just move outside of the city and saying maybe maybe we need to rethink this just a little bit yeah now that raises another good point about um agriculture and how all this might impact um agriculture which you know as you know as an rli member um, you know, RLM members are very sensitive and their markets and businesses are very sensitive on agricultural markets and how those are faring. And so I think there's been such a disruption in the agricultural markets right now between, um, you know, I've been reading about uh, the fact that dairy farmers have been dumping milk because you can't, there's the supply chains have been so disrupted. 
I've been reading about, you know, entire fields of produce being plowed under because they can't get anyone to, to pick the produce and the supply chains are disrupted again. You know, that's what I'm seeing. I, I you know, I don't want to speculate about how, how this might impact agriculture in the long term because of so many other, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a, an industry that is easily disrupted through weather and other uh, variables as well. There's a lot of variables for, for farmers that they have to deal with and adapt to. Um, but that's the key. Farmers are very adaptable. Very, very adaptable. So um, I think this is a temporary disruption. Um, and I think once this situation kind of, um, once we were able to contain it, um, I think I think they will adapt to uh, to the new normal and move forward the way they've always done. But it's in, it's interesting right now just how much they're struggling with making sure they can put food on the table and and um, you know de deliver the goods that they've been delivering. Russell, I've heard some discussion uh, about programs that are out there allowing homeowners um, to kind of uh, delay some of their mortgage payments if they're federally backed. Can you explain a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So, uh, you know, essentially the CARES Act allowed for homeowners to work with lenders to, if they are now no longer getting an income, they can't pay the rent and they can't pay their mortgage. And that is a real challenge for people when their mortgage is due. And so the question has been, well, can a homeowner work with their lender to say, give me three, four, six months, and I don't have to pay my loan, and um, that'll give me time to get back on my feet, you know, get my job back, and start getting an income. So there was a, a, a question about, you know, lenders were allowing that, but the issue was they were saying, well, you have to pay it back in one lump sum. Um, when you, when we start back the payments again, you need to, if you miss three months of payment, you now need to pay $10,000 to make up for the three to four months that you didn't pay. So that's not really doing anybody any good. And so recently we've been working with the FHFA and some of the other housing um, financial uh, agencies in Washington. And so they clarified that, yes, you can work with your lender to get some forbearance. You do not have to pay it all in one lump sum. You can basically tack on the three to four or six months that you didn't pay. You can tack that on at the end of the, um, of the mortgage and you'll be basically paying it at the end instead of at the beginning. Now, that means you're gonna be paying the interest on that, but at least you don't have to pay one lump sum of $10,000, which didn't really wasn't helping anybody. You know, another interesting part of this too is the fact that many landlords are also eligible for forbearance. You know, think about it, if I'm a landlord and I manage a, and own a, a multifamily um, property, I probably had to get, a lender to um, get me to lend lend me money to develop that property, and now I'm behind because all of my renters now have no income and they're not paying me rent money, 
and I am unable to uh, make the, uh, the mortgage payment on that mortgage. And so it's basically the same process that um, they can work with their lenders to uh, allow, uh, again, allow some additional forbearance on that. Well, thank you for joining us today, Russell, and for all you do for RLI on behalf of our advocacy efforts and keeping our members informed. Listeners, for the most up-to-date information and for additional resources related to the COVID-19 pandemic for land agents, please make sure to check out RLI's COVID-19 resources page, which can currently be accessed from the rliland.com homepage. If you are not yet an RLI member, the Realtors Land Institute has a very strong voice in DC on the issues that matter most to land agents and landowners. To stay on the forefront of legislative issues impacting the land industry and to have your voice heard, make sure to join RLI. You can learn more about all of RLI's advocacy efforts at rliland.com. Thanks everyone for joining us today.